Look at Jimmy on the wheels. I had you. Did it ever sound I, this good, John, when you no. did this? No, it didn't. No, no, no. In your mind, it did, though. In your mind, yeah, you that's all matters. All of Depends on how many lattes I'd had before. My favorite part. On the pickers. San Antonio. Johnny Cash and a bunch of pickers. Picking. That was like a, yeah, that's what they called him. You, know? you got a bunch of uh, rusty old pickers up yeah. there. Picking at the strings. All right. Uh, you know what? I, I could see this being a Steve Sippled jam, too. Steve Sippled, who joins us here with Husker Online. <laughs> Sip, are you, you're a Cash fan, right? I shouldn't say worry. Oh, are a Cash fan? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I can oh, totally God, see that. Yeah. I mean, I love that era. I mean, the Chris Christopherson, Willie in his prime, Waylon in yep. his prime. The Highwaymen. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that whole, that line, it's an incredible line, and there are, you can get away in, in music, rock and roll, country, whatever, mm-hmm. with lines that are really inappropriate. I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. <laughs> Pretty hardcore. <laughs> Not a whole lot to do there, I guess. No, that's, that's that is fair. Um, yeah, and you brought up Waylon. Like, I'm just... So many songs, so many great ones. Like, looking back, Texas. I, it was funny. I was watching a little bit of the Pebble Beach last week, and um, Jake Owen, who's actually a really good golfer, too, like, during the turn, like, just grabbed a guitar and did a little bit of a clip from looking back, Texas. Like, that was cool. I don't know. I'm just a big fan. Yeah, I mean, Waylon had just a string of incredible songs. I was in... Uh... Uh, and, and, I mean, yeah, looking back, Texas. When he was paired with Willie, it's magic. Yep. I was in Bakersfield earlier in the basketball season in December, and there's a big mural of all those Bakersfield country artists on a building in downtown Bakersfield, and like Waylon Jennings' face in like six Over and a half feet tall. Yeah. yeah, should be, should be that way. Hey, uh, Sip, we were talking a little bit about uh, some Husker hoops, and not necessarily the game itself, but uh, more importantly, what Trev had to say before the game about seeing quote undeniable. Uh, and quote progress from Fred Hoiberg. W- were you kind of surprised from what you heard from Trev's assessment, or has this kind of been a little bit more aligned of of what you've been hearing here the past month? No, yeah, he, you know, he's been on his radio show, you know, the statewide radio show, Trev Alberts, mm-hmm. and he's expressed support for Trev. So no, I wasn't surprised, and I don't know, you know, you got to think about the student athlete in a situation like this. I don't think that AD. It would be good for the AD to go out and be critical of the program right. with a lot of the season left. I mean, that's not good for. I mean, I think the AD better always have the student athlete in mind first. Mm-hmm. The best ADs have the student athlete in mind first, so it wouldn't it wouldn't behoove Trev Alberts to be critical of the head coach and then create this doubt and sort of fear that Fred might not be back. I think right. in that situation, you go, if you're going to talk publicly about the program, you speak in positive tones. Well, and I think that's, you brought up something that I think is very key, and that is if you decide to speak publicly about it, because everything I heard uh, before that game yesterday would lead me to believe that unless this thing just completely goes off the rails, that there is a damn good shot that Fred's back, and and I I'm okay with that. But when you say speak publicly, it always makes me go back to 2013 
Nebraska football season where it was radio silence. You remember that post-game presser with Bo Pelini uh, losing to Iowa where he was basically, hey, if they want to fire me, fire me. And I always thought that even if Sean Eichhorst didn't decide to speak publicly to at least address the team at some point or give some type of vote of confidence of saying, hey, look, I know there's a lot of talk out there. This guy, your head coach, we want him back. He's going to be back. I don't make it a point to talk about these things publicly, but I want you guys to know that. I don't know if that's common practice anywhere in college athletics, but the amount of stress that I felt like Bo and that team were kind of under going into that game, wondering the fate of Bo Pelini, it always makes me think, why couldn't an athletic director even do that sort of behind the scenes to, to let the team know that? Well, there's a real easy answer to that because behind the scenes, everybody knew the situation, and that was the AD didn't want Bo in that chair. Right. Everybody knew right. it. They, oh, they, wouldn't even talk. they didn't even talk. So, oh, it was untenable. I don't know how Bo, well, he didn't always hold it together. I mean, team did. I mean, the team held it together, mm-hmm. but it was really, it was, it was behind the scenes. It was a, I mean, I don't like to say nightmare. That's being probably overly dramatic, but it was borderline untenable. Um, yeah, yeah. That's no. Those I don't even like talking about those days. It was really. <laughs> yeah. I guess that. I guess the best way to put it, it was dysfunctional. Yeah. And it's funny now. It's funny when you Nebraska football has been kind of. Dysfunctional is a good way to describe Nebraska football in, in many of the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. And despite that dysfunction, think about what 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 Pelini did. He was winning 10 and 9 games yep. with with wild dysfunction. So I, yeah, like I said, I don't. Even, sometimes I don't even know what to think about what goes on over there. <laughs> <laughs> He's seen some stuff, man. Hey, I, I want to bring you in on the discussion that Nick and I were having uh, during our last segment. Casey Tominaga has really emerged as a scoring threat with some extended minutes here since the injuries to Gary and Bandamel. Do you see that more as a positive in the development of players for Fred Hoiberg, or could you spin it a little bit negative and say that, like, why wasn't this guy getting more minutes earlier in the season? Oh, I can't spin it negatively. I mean, it's that. Uh, I, I guess I get what you're saying. I, and maybe Fred would say I just couldn't predict this was this. this it would look this good with Casey. Right. I mean, I would have needed a ball. Um, but Casey, I mean, I just choose to spin it positive because it is a. It's a. It's a very clear, salient example of development. Casey mm-hmm. developed his game. I mean. He's no longer, you hear, you hear Robbie Hummel and the analyst on BTN always talk about how he's not just a three-point shooter anymore. Man, he does. He cuts to the basket really well. He's, it's incredible what he's able to get out of that little frame. Yeah. I mean, Raphael Davis, Raphael Davis is a BTN analyst, and he said after the Penn State game that, that it was really harsh, I thought, but he said it that a lot of guys look at Case and just don't take him seriously because he doesn't doesn't look like them. You know, he's he's very light. Um, he's you know, but he gets a gets all he. I, I think Case is an amazing player. He's become sort of amazing because he's not mm-hmm. he's not just camping behind the three point line. 
and relying on and relying on screens to get over. Now you got to screen for him a lot, but you see the back cut. You you see him take the ball on the dribble to the basket. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. He has he's got a variety of shots. In, you know, inside twelve feet. So no, I don't. And maybe Fred just didn't. Maybe Fred's a little surprised by it. I don't know. And then the other part of it is there's there's that time. And it's not as the other thing about Casey is he's developed his defensive game work to where he's not always a total liability. Mm-hmm. He gets a lot. He gets his hand. He gets a lot of deflections. Um, he he sticks his nose in there. I mean, he's just become a good all around player. Maybe well, you know, he can't get minutes for everybody. Vandermill and Gary were critical players. Uh, really on both ends of the floor. So you just can't you just can't get minutes for everybody. Talking with Steve Sipple of Husker Online. Sip, uh, some of the football news yesterday, too. We found out uh, the, the final assistant, full-time assistant, getting a, a decent chunk of change in Bob Wager. Uh, $315,000 for the tight end coach. I, I, I kind of hinted at this earlier today. You know, regardless of what you think about, you know, a guy coming from the, the high school ranks into a coaching role, it's it's decent money. But also what we've already seen in just a very short amount of time with his impact recruiting-wise, I'm curious on your thoughts with Wager's salary, but also what we've now seen is that was sort of the, the final piece in the uh, the salary pool there for the assistant coaches. What do you kind of draw from Matt Rule coming under that with the amount of resources he's put in, the, in sort of the analyst role? Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't look at it as, uh, man, he needed to spend $7 million. Right. I mean, uh, he's, he, I don't think he looked at it that way. No. He was going to hire staff with young, aggressive guys that weren't necessarily, they weren't necessarily guys that needed or commanded even high dollars. You just can't really justify paying half million dollars to Garrett McGuire, right, at this point right. in his career. Well, half million dollars to E.J. Barthel at this point of his career or wager at this point of his career. So, yeah, I don't – I think it's informative to us that just because any A.D., any situation in college football where the head coach is allotted a big sum of money to hire, a, you know, for the assistant coach's pool – it doesn't mean it's going to get all used. It doesn't have to. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you didn't hire the, a good staff or at least the kind of staff that the head coach wants. It's informative to me. I mean, because I think we all had this sort of, you know, not all, but a lot of, I think a lot of people, including myself, when you see 7 million salary pool, what do you envision? Yeah. Uh, I guess you envision high profile hires, um, at least at the coordinator level and maybe, and maybe a few assistants, although I have said all along, I don't even, like, people would ask, yeah, who are the hot names for the offensive line position? I have no idea. Like, I don't, I, I guess my depth of knowledge of college football doesn't extend to who are the hot wide receiver coaches. I don't know that. <laughs> Damn it, Sip. Um, so, that's, yeah, <laughs> I'm I with know. you. We, I, yeah, I, I don't it's just he's going to hire some assistants, and they all they're going to make a fair market value. Yeah. And however that pans out, as as to how close it gets to that seven million dollar figure, I guess I didn't even consider it to be that important in my mm-hmm. mind. Hey, Sip, this coaching staff has 
sort of had a, a love affair with the state of Nebraska since they, they all came aboard. And it's such a, a contrast for me from the way, you know, like Bo out in the community and, and Scott out in the community. These guys seem to be like just more in, ingraining themselves in the fabric of the state more than I can remember past coaches doing it. And it feels like it's changed the opinion about this group in such a way from when we first heard about the hire. I think there was a, there was a lot of grumbling. Oh, this guy just got fired from an NFL team. We've done this before. But you don't. I don't think you hear as much of that grumbling anymore. Uh, is this, to you, just the way that they are? Or is this more of a, a calculated, like, these are the things we need to do to get ourselves on the right path? Oh, no, I think it's, no, I think it's, a, it's, it's a, they're being genuine. I don't think it's, I don't think there's anything contrived about it. Some of it's just a personality discussion. And then it gets into this, and I don't think I've had this with you guys. There's so many radio shows around here. But it's, it's a, um, I think it's a, hold on a second, my dog. Oh, <laughs> um, I think it's sort of an interesting discussion about, uh, personality and what you what what should what would fit here maybe better than the other places i don't what i'm saying is i don't think there's a lot of places in this country a lot of programs a lot of nfl teams but you don't really have to hire somebody with an outgoing personality and if you hire someone who doesn't have an outgoing personality or, or prefers to be a little more in the background it can work it can work just fine there's a lot there's a lot of places like that i think and, you know, it took me a quarter century to come around to this sort of thought. But I think at Nebraska, it makes sense. If I were an AD to hire somebody who is comfortable in public, who is who embraces that part, mm-hmm. who actually likes like, going to events and speaking and being out in the public and not, not you know, not, well, and, and, and listen, I'm not that person, so I'm not, it's not a, I don't regard it as a character defect that Bo Pelini or Scott Frost or Bill Callahan, um, or maybe even Frank, Frank to a certain degree. None of those guys were like rule in that they just thrust themselves into the public and, yeah. loved, and seemed to really like it. They weren't, they, their personalities weren't like that. Doesn't mean they were deficient in any way. We're not all out to be Bob Barker, right? I mean, <laughs> not everybody has a personality like Regis Philbin. It doesn't make you a bad person. It's just different. But I think if I were an AD in Nebraska, I would, that would be something that I would almost, I mean, I, I, I want a guy who's pretty comfortable in the public, or really comfortable in the public. Um, and I, I think going forward, that's, that's something we you should look at, I think, as a Nebraska fan. Um, it's just one thing. It's not It's not a deciding factor, but I think it should be a factor. And so I just think Rule has found this place where he likes it. He likes all the – he likes the attention. Not in a bad way. He just – you know, I think he sees it as an advantage and he embraces it. Whereas, no, no, I mean, Scott didn't really. And, and Bo didn't really. It kind of felt uncomfortable. I mean, that was a lot of the allure of Miami to Bo Pelini, where he could go, you know, he looked at that job, and I, and I talked to him about it. It's not, I'm not speculating here. 
he liked the idea of coaching in a market where he could go out, go to Walgreens and not be besieged yeah. or, or, you know, recognize people. So yeah, it's kind of an, I think I find it to be kind of an interesting discussion. Sip, want to get you out on this here real quickly with uh, the time we have left. Uh, the Combine invites went out yesterday. It's Trey Palmer, Travis Vokalek, and Oshawn Mathis. Uh, I want to ask you this. More surprised that Vokalek gets one than uh, Garrett Nelson not getting one. Uh, no, I'm not surprised that Vokalek got one because it's so much about measurable. That mm-hmm. he's, you know, Vokalek, if he walks in the village in, you go, whoa, that looks like he could play in the NFL, right? Because um, there's not that many people in this world that are walking around six six two sixty and can run and are, and are really athletic and bend. You just you just don't see many people like Travis Bokalek around. Um, so I wasn't surprised about him. Garrett, you know, I've talked to Garrett about it. He wasn't sure he'd get an invite. So I guess I wasn't, I'm not surprised. Surprise! He doesn't have the measurables that O'Shawn has. Again, it's a lot. It's not all about measurables mm-hmm. with combine invites, but a lot of it is. And O'Shawn Mathis is long, long arms, long has that has more of the look than Garrett. Um, doesn't mean Garrett. I mean, I think Garrett has a great chance to play in the NFL, and I bet he wasn't too far from getting a combine invite. So, yeah. you know, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised by really any of it. Um, not surprised Vokalek got an invite. Not surprised that Garrett did. Steve Sipple again, senior writer, Husker Online. Sip, great stuff as always, man. Now, how are you enjoying the Super Bowl on Sunday, by the way? I don't. I don't. Uh, no I traditions. Mean, oh yeah, I gotta go to a, a. I gotta do this thing for the radio station here. The ticket. They're having a big party at, at a wing place. Okay. Like that. All right. Well, sounds good. Well, uh, do it. Uh, do it excessively. Okay. I will. I'll right. make sure I. <laughs> we'll some Folsom in the third we'll see quarter. You, Sip. Have a good one, man. See you later. I love Sip that he said uh, if he saw Travis Volklek walk into a village inn. Well, we got a Bob a Barker, a Regis Philbin, and a village inn. A village inn. Uh, out of all the places you could see uh, Travis Volklek walk into is a village inn. That, and I is like that the, the old man trifecta right there. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I, I thought he was going to go with that and say uh, and eat an entire pie. Or... Yeah, that was good. That was good. Uh, we got to hit a break. Uh, we're back real quickly, and then we are going to be talking some Omaha hockey with the captain of the hockey team, Mr. Nolan Sullivan. He joins us right at the top of the hour. We're back, though, real quickly right after this morning's at Sharp and Hanley, 1620 The Zone.